Hey, it's Mark Holdham. I'm a film producer. I'm from New Zealand. I'm currently resident in Toronto, Canada, and uh, made a movie last year called Zombie Town with Dan Aykroyd. And can you tell us a little bit of how you got into the industry? The film business. You want the real story? That's the only story we were looking for. So. <laughs> I was sitting in the backyard of my big house in Studio City, south of the boulevard, which I bought when I was day trading stocks back in like 2000, 99, 2000. And uh, my wife had left and taken my kid and got the restraining order. So I was sitting there going, hmm, what am I going to do with my life out in the backyard? A, a uh, margarita in one hand and a cigarette in the other and the phone rings. And it's a lady who was working for a, um, an office that was raising money for movies and a uh, boiler room, I think they call it. And so, you know, I had a big house with a big mortgage, so they would call people like me, you can buy those lists. And I'm sitting there and the phone rings. And I think, oh, I got nothing to lose. So I pick up the phone and she starts on a pitch and it's this pitch going, well, you know, we're looking for people to, to put money into movies. And I guess I wasn't that drunk, so I, I carried on with the conversation. She does the pitch and said, so have you made any movies already? And she goes, yeah, we made three movies. And I said, well, have you, have you had any of them released? You know, what's your success rate in, in the distribution of the movies you made? We said, none of them being released. And, you know, I just came out of the brokerage business and I used to be a road manager and a record company executive. And I said, you know, I sell movies. Why don't you hook me up and I'll sell you movies for you? Mm. So you got in more as like a, a brokerage just off a phone call? Yeah, it was unexpected. And uh, I had no plans to be in the film business. And what did they go with you? And how? How if they did? How did they? How did you distribute movies? Because it was totally different back then. That was Blue Hill Avenue. The, this oh, was really? the group that financed Blue Hill Avenue, and uh, you know it was a typical film business story. They had made a nice movie. It's still selling. It had played in uh, the Black Film Festival in Acapulco. I think it won the best uh, movie award there. And there had been an offer uh, from Sony Screen Gems. For a million dollars, I remember. And the movie cost about three, I think, a little under $3 million. And so the producers were holding out for a better offer. So I, I took the, uh, you know, again, I, I wasn't a film guy at that point. I just looked up what people did with movies and who were distributing movies. And I called the people who distributed movies with African-American actors in it because that's what it was. It was a, it was an urban drama, you know, about a young bunch of young kids who got into the drug business. And um, in the end, we did a deal with Artisan for a lot less money than a million dollars because a million dollar offer was gone. And they released it in three theaters. It was in the Magic Johnson theaters and I think 92, no, 2002, it finally got released. And it still sells on video and, and uh, on streaming platforms today. Cool movie. And uh, how did you get into your next film after that? you start looking around when you see that there's money to be made. And, and that was a real learning experience because the movie wasn't finished for distribution. You know, it was okay to play in a festival. You don't have to license all the music. You don't really have to finish it. But there were some songs on there we couldn't license. There was a drama with the uh, guy who did the music. Uh, he ended up threatening me with a shotgun at his house because we wouldn't sign his music licenses. And so we, we went around him and had somebody else sign him on his behalf, which was completely legal. And he invited me over and threatened me with a shotgun to take it all back. And, you know, of course, when you've got a shotgun staring at you, you stop and you go, yeah, yeah, I'll sign that, no problem. 
and then I called Artisan when I when they let me out of the house and and said, hey, it just beat me up. I took a photo of the the bruise on my face where they hit me, and you know, it just passed on. I'm friends with them again now. It, you know, things okay, go well. Around. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh. So you know, you get a taste of it. It's like anything. You get a taste of it, and it was sort of fun, and it was exciting, and and it took me back to the music business where you know that was what it was all about. It was fun and exciting. I was a road manager. I toured Hall and Oates. I toured Metallica. Uh, I released records for Frank Zappa. You know, it was fun. And when you've just come out of a hideous divorce, you want some fun. So I gravitated. And, you know, it's the same as in any business. When you do something that looks like it's successful, people will gravitate to you. It was like my time in in the stock market. You do a few crazy day trades and the guys that see they just made a bunch of money call their friends and go, you know, there's this crazy guy out in Sherman Oaks who'll day trade your, your portfolio for you and make you 100% in two weeks. And people come. And it was the same with this. When they saw that, that I'd done a deal with Artisan and the film went into theatres, people called me and said, can you represent my movie? And did uh, being having some success in the music industry really help you kind of figure out the side of the movie business? It, it's very similar. Uh, you know, the, the details, of course, are different. The The personalities are very similar. Of course, you have uh, high-strung, creative people that you need to make the really good entertainment and it takes some effort to, to be patient, to manage them properly so that that creativity is actually deliverable. And the idea of promotions is sort of the same. You you have to work out how you're going to sell what you get because it's it's fine being in a band with a great song, but if nobody knows, it's meaningless. And it's the same, you know, having a movie with a great actor. If nobody knows that the movie's there, you haven't achieved anything. So you you start to look for what is it that you need to do with a movie that can get people to understand it's there and make them want to watch it so it was worth making a movie. And how has distribution really changed from like Blue Hill Avenue to your new movie, <laughs> Zombie Town? Because, I mean, distribution nowadays is so different. <clears throat> distribution is really different. And and I it's it was like in the music business. I joined up with this band Dragon. Before I joined them, this is way back in the 80s in Australia, they had been hanging out with Mr. Asia, who was the preeminent drug dealer coming out of Southeast Asia into Australia. And they were completely crazy, you know, naked girls on stage, everything was nuts. And I came in after that. And it was like the the film business. I came in at a point where it didn't work any longer just to come out with an idea for a movie with an actor and say, you know, give me a couple of million dollars. I'm going to go make a movie and you can sell a deal. DVD to recoup. That whole DVD thing was starting to fall off when I showed up. And so I've been chasing distribution since I started. And, you know, you have a really good movie, people will go crazy for it. If you have a good movie, you really have to hunt for the way to distribute it properly. And so I've been hunting that. You know, you the, the DVD sort of got surpassed by Blu-ray and that made up some money. You'd always be looking for a movie that could play on pay TV because the pay TV was pretty good cash. You know, to get onto the free TV distribution, you needed a huge theatrical release. Otherwise, it would never go to free TV, which is where the big money is. That's where the studios make their money is, you know, they spend a bunch of money. A lot of people go to theaters, free TV channels will will pay up to get the rights to broadcast it for a year or two. 
And I worked uh, acquiring movies for Netflix for a while when they opened up in France and Russia. I was one of the guys they called when they were looking for independent movies to stock that uh, that stream of demand for movies in France and Russia. And now it's uh, it seems to have come around again where you're hunting again, not so much for just a regular distributor, but you're looking for somebody really creative. Like my last movie, Zombie Town, we're now pitching my friends who understand the nature of marketing in different territories. And I'm going out there and going, you know, I've got a movie which is a Halloween movie. And mm-hmm. it's a movie from the writer of Goosebumps. And it's a movie that's on Hulu. And it's a movie with Dan Aykroyd. And, you know, you got Saturday Night Live and you got a couple of young kids who, one of them who has like 20 million Instagram followers. And instead of going, I got a movie that you're really going to love and you'll put into theaters because theaters are so difficult these days, you pick the points and you start micromanaging the, the marketing so that you try and put that movie in front of all these different groups that might like a piece of what you've got in your movie and hope they latch onto it. Gotcha. So you actually kind of show them a little bit of how they would market it and maybe some tips to help market the thing instead of just saying, hey, here's my movie. It has this actor in it. Here's my movie. It's a zombie theme. And we think that with Facebook ads and this type of thing, we think it could go very far if the right marketing is put. Yeah, you try and point out because when a guy looks at a movie who's a buyer for a, a, a European distributor nowadays, because it's so time intensive, they just want something easy. And unfortunately, family films, which is what Zombie Town is, it's it's. I don't really understand why not. You'd think family films would would always sell, but because the pay TV business is so, you can't really understand anymore because the streamers have taken over from pay TV, and the pay TV used to be where you could get some good money. You have to find the audience and have it on a digital platform where an audience can find it. So you make sure you can see it and then you go out and and you do really creative advertising to tiny little segments of population who you who you know or you think will respond to a little piece of your movie like the Dan Aykroyd fans, the Henry Cherney fans, the, the R.L. Stein fans, the Hulu fans. And, and you, you have to get really creative to design little pieces to send out into the right digital space and then guide them back to where the movie is. And the idea, the reason I, I agreed to greenlight this movie was that it's a Halloween movie. So I, I figured, okay, Christmas movies sell every year. You know, if you make a good Christmas movie, you license them over and over. And it can be the same with a Halloween movie. You look at Halloween, you know. Um, and does Jamie- that come from the, the music industry, you think, that, that thought process? Meaning, like, I don't think a lot of filmmakers would think in that thought process. Meaning, like, okay, I know Halloween comes mm-hmm. around every year. And, and I know, like, say, Mariah Carey song, that the Christmas song plays every single year and they make a ton of money from it. So. <laughs> She's number one on the Billboard charts again. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it's more of you think about these things when the opportunity presents itself. So I think the music business taught me to be incredibly open-minded because it moves at such a fast pace that if you don't have the ability to to pick up on what's moving in front of you, you get left behind, you have no job. It's that quick. And so you learn to recognize 
you know, let's say sales points or, or even danger points, especially the danger points. That's one of the things I supposedly do well as I fix problems. You know, I try to see them coming and I'm ready for them when they show up. And people pay me pretty good money to, to look at everything, to see what could go wrong, to design it so you could avoid that and then watch it as it goes because things always go wrong and fix them as they go. But yeah, I think the feel of the record business taught me to operate on a dime, as I say, turn on a dime. You watch something happening in front of you and, you know, the key is like with a movie, you can shoot it and if it rains, you can stop and it costs you some money, but you wait for the rain to stop and you shoot then. When you've got a, a band and you're traveling, you have to play. You've got to go on stage no matter what. And this teaches you to to be really open-minded, to make sure that the end result is achieved in the most happy fashion and the show is put on so the people who see it enjoy it and want to come back and see it again. And uh, going back a little bit, uh, so on Blue Hill Avenue, obviously you had a, a miscommunication with the music, whoever did the music, <laughs> and uh, you know, obviously getting beat up and a shotgun pulled on you. Is there is At that point, do you feel like maybe I should get out of the industry or is that point of like, I've seen this kind of in the music industry. I'm going to keep going. Was there ever a point in, in the film industry or like this is just not for me? No, no. I mean, you try and avoid those situations, but it's not the first time I'd seen a shotgun. And you, I knew what was going to – I didn't know it was going to be a shotgun, but I knew it wasn't going to end well. But I also knew if I didn't walk into his house and see what it is that he wanted to deal with, then it would have haunted me forever. So you just – you know, you go and you work it out. But I, I wasn't thinking I wasn't going to come out of there. It wasn't, he wasn't that kind of guy. So, gotcha. Yeah. You, you always have to look at the environment and try to understand. And, and there's very, there's very few times, except the random times that you can't control where you don't really know what you're getting yourself into, if you're aware. And as, as a producer, you're usually a problem solver, like you said. Is there a big obstacle that you had in one film that you kind of had to overcome? Mostly it's the cash. You know, you get to the point where there's an actor showing up in a few days and, and the producer calls and says, uh, you know, we run out of money. Can you find some more money so we can get the actor on set? <laughs> yeah, we had that uh, with Lindsay Lohan. I did a film with her. That was, that was right. quite difficult. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she's got a reputation in and of herself. But, yeah, when you're out on the independent film world and, and you know, people are saying, yeah, I'll give you some money. Oh, you know, that's worth that much. And you get all these ideas and, you think, oh, yeah, I'll make the movie, and then something falls apart. Some guy says, no, I lost my money, or I gave it to somebody else, or I never was really going to give it to you. Uh, one of the first movies I tried to make, like Blue Hill, I came in late. It was already made. I finished it, and I distributed it. I tried to make a movie with Lawrence Fishburne about 12, 13 years ago, and uh, he read the script, and there was a contract. It was all about to be signed, and the guy who said he was going to put up the $2 million in cash, I had $3 million, you know, banked against the collateral of the film, the, the tax credit the distributions deals and and he didn't like my choice of actress i wanted diane kruger to play the girl with with um, lawrence fishburne and i looked at him and said you don't have the money do you and he's going no no i just don't your actress and i go you don't have the money do you and he's and finally says you're right i don't have the money <laughs> you're just looking for a way out kind of yeah um and then so my last question is what advice would you give to like a new filmmaker hmm. you know be ready to stay in it and and learn <laughs> And you'll never learn everything. So it's a patience game. You have to watch how people do it, 
because there's no way to, there's no real school to go to to learn how to be a film producer. You have to learn by experience. So you dive in and you keep your patience, keep your control and just watch what's going on and pick up as much as you can and, and be prepared to be in it for years because it takes a long time to have any idea how really movies get made. 